What is up with these refs? Was Julius Randle right in his criticism of the officials on Sunday as the Knicks lose another heartbreaker? How about the trade deadline coming up on Thursday? What do the Knicks need to do? Is there a move that they can make to become more legitimate? We'll discuss the officiating against Julius Randle and company, potential Knicks targets, and look ahead to a couple of must-win games this week at the Garden. Plus, we have a juicy trade deadline edition of Inside the Doghouse. You don't want to miss that one. That's next. Next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome <laughs> Williams. There he is, JYD. Make sure you subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts. And rate us five stars and write a nice review on Apple. We appreciate the continued support. Although I will say, I read a review this week. I don't know why I was going through the reviews, JYD. And somebody was knocking me for pretending that I'm an old Knicks fan, but I couldn't name the 08 lineup. No, I'm not lying about that i first of all i'm not 31 i'm 41 so i know the 90s knicks as well as anybody and i couldn't name the 08 lineup because those teams stunk so that's, that's just looking at it yeah let's get that out of the way jyd hey look we trying to tell him listen all you nick fans out there you know what time it is forget the people who was losing that's it <laughs> at least if you weren't even if you got at least be on the playoff line like my team in 05 we were on the line 0405 right we, you know half a game out like yeah i mean they, we we were in it we just, you know, didn't come up with the right chips at the right time. But the teams that were totally out, we looking at the lottery. I mean, that, come on. I think he mixed up his bald white men here. He clearly must have been referring to the other bald guy that talks on here, and that's made. So I think he uh, he just messed up. And maybe review. he got us too confused. Producer Jake, obviously, what are you, 30 now, right? You yeah, just turned 30. 30. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm an older guy. I'm 41. So, And I don't think Producer Jake pretends to know the 90s Knicks uh, either. But anyway. I know the 99 Knicks when I was eight. That's like, but, <laughs> and like <laughs> highlights before that. But like other than that, yeah, you were, you were what, a teenager in the mid-90s? Yeah, I mean, I was born in 79, so I was, I, I lived, my prime fandom was when I was 14, 15, all those years, you know, of the early 90s to late 90s. Knicks, obviously, by 2008, come on, come on, I was checked out. Is there such thing as a 2000? I couldn't name you one player on that roster. Anyway, please write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, and we do appreciate that continued support. All right, the Knicks, JYD, 21 and 22, the seventh seed as we tape this podcast on this Tuesday. The Celtics behind them in the eighth spot, also with the 21 and 22 record and you get the Hornets there with the 60 but they lose LaMelo Ball so obviously you know maybe they could uh, be a spot where the Knicks could gain right there but let's just recap what has been I mean we were on last Tuesday after the loss to the Nets which was a tight game they lose by five right. then then they lose another close one in a game they should have had they missed a bunch of free throws in Philadelphia that was a heartbreaker they win a close game by a point Reggie Bullock beating the Magic there with the, the great defensive play and right. then coming off of Sunday's one point loss again in overtime to the Sixers that had to be the most frustrating most painful loss of the year that was JYD. pain yeah and that phantom foul call with Randall pushing off Tobias Harris I mean, come on, the Knicks have gotten jobbed here. If not jobbed, it's just been bad luck with some officiating, and they're losing some heartbreaking games. All right, well, let's talk about this, man. Was there official missing? We got two officials now? That's a whole third of the court that gets missed. And to our disadvantage, yes, we got the lower end of that 
third that was just didn't see the call. I mean, come on. These things, man, I can't wait till COVID is done. That's what all I'm saying right now. COVID has, has da- had its damage to the Knicks, and this just shows another incident that happens at the end of the game. It was weird, too, because watching the game, it cl- for whatever reason, Walt Clyde Frazier was saying, I forget the word he used, but he was making it sound like Randall bulldozed Tobias Harris out of the way. But if you watched it, you can clearly see he didn't. I mean, maybe he had marginal contact, which I know they went back and after reviewing it, that's what they said it to be. But come on, to call that at that spot in the game, I, I do think it's just bad luck. I don't never blame officials for the reason why a team lost. As, as Thibodeau even said, there are other things we could have done. But at that spot, at that time of the game, that's a bad call. And then you have Thibodeau not even being able to challenge it because I guess he called a timeout and didn't bring it up right away. Who knows what these rules. But once again, it seems like the Knicks on the wrong end of a tough call in a tight ball game. It was a tight ball game. And these are the things that you know definitely have its implications down the road. But I am happy of the fact that tonight we get that win against Washington. Get back up to 500. Now we take a look at Charlotte and see what's the next step in terms of moving up the ladder. Right now, it's all about moving up spots. And if you look at it, Miami's in the fourth spot with 22 and and 21 record. So, I I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, and we talked about their tough schedule coming out of the All-Star break. And just really, when you look at it, where they've played now, what, six games here, two, four? Yeah, six games coming out of the All-Star break. Really just one of the Philly games. If one of them would have gone their way, you'd take that. And, you know, they beat OKC handily. They beat the Magic by one. It Had they gotten one of those Philadelphia wins, three and three would not be bad. But you mentioned it. They got the Wizards tonight at home. They'll have an off day. And then again, the Wizards on Thursday, this unique schedule this year with COVID and all that back-to-back home games against the same team. So these are games that they have to win. Look, you want to be a playoff team. It's one thing to lose to the Nets or to lose to the Sixers. You cannot lose at home to the Wizards. So these are two games where the Knicks have to win before they take on Milwaukee in Milwaukee on Saturday and then Miami again on Monday night. And look, JYD, the way they've been getting contributions here, even without Derrick Rose, they're starting to get healthier now. Mitchell Robinson comes back and you saw quickly come back. Who knows what Derrick Rose is? He's returning from COVID and he really apparently felt the effects. So we're not sure when he's going to be at full strength here. But regardless, the Knicks should be able to compete with all the contributions they've been getting from Burks and Randall and Barrett and everybody else. They should be able to take care of Washington these next two games. Exactly. Those should be definitely two games back-to-back wins, but they got to take advantage of this part of the schedule so that they can maybe bump up because then if you can split the Milwaukee and Miami game, then we're back in business. But you have to be able to catch some momentum. Two wins against a marginal playoff team that's not going to be in the playoffs is what you definitely need. You got to put that out. Sal, the word that Clyde, by the way, used for Randall, obliterated yeah, hires. He said you. obliterated. Thank you, producer Jake. Right. He, and he kept saying it even after the replay. The replays. And I love Clyde. He kept saying, oh, he obliterated him with that form. No, he didn't, Clyde. He didn't obliterate him. It was anything but. So I don't know if they, look, did he touch him technically? Was it a foul by the letter of the law? Maybe, but he did not obliterate him. And Randall, after the game, you know, cursing out the refs. And this is the second time that we've seen Randall get really hot here that happened after the Nets game and it happened again here on Sunday night after that crushing loss to the Sixers you know cursing out the refs saying it was a blown call and bleeping ridiculous I'll tell you JYD I love that passion and he should be frustrated and he's been great hitting that big three to tie the game with 10 seconds left I thought he was going to hit that buzzer beater to give the Knicks the win there but he came up uh, short man Randall has been tremendous but I love his attitude almost more so than his play well come on man first of all look we got to get in the playoffs and you're going to need the stripes 
I've always said, hey, what guys don't always realize is when you cuff, cuss out refs at the end of the games, they take that to the next time they see. Right. If it's in the heat of the battle of the game, they, you know, just like they let it go or what have you, they let it go. But at the end and they got to walk into their locker room, you got to walk into your locker room and they're just remembering and festering on the last thing that you said. Ah, ah, that's not good. If you if you once you've lost a game, you got to move on. I understand that straight. But take it out in the locker room, say all your words and whatever you need to say. But you got to, like, hold it down. This is how you get back in the playoffs, Sal. Interesting because, you know, to your point, Joey, maybe Randall now developing a little bit of a reputation for being a hothead. That's what I'm saying. Like that hothead thing. You don't want to get into that Rasheed Wallace category. Shout out to Sheed. But (laughs) you don't want, you know what I mean? Because if that's what you were going to want, that's what you're going to get. Quick tease, quick. Oh, no. he Even though he wasn't saying anything, the look on his face, (laughs) the flexing of his arm bicep. (laughs) Tech. Like, whoa, I didn't even say anything. But JYD, that's the thing. Randall, you always mention how he plays bully ball. He's this big body, big ball. They miss a lot of fouls on him. And I just think the officiating against the Knicks has exactly. been atrocious the last exactly. few weeks. Exactly. That's the one thing about being a bully, man. You don't get the calls. That's like Shaq, right? Shaq getting hammered. People, they'd have to dag on there, beat him down before the refs will blow a whistle. And you know, rightfully so. Shaq was huge, but it's the same thing with Julius. Like he's stronger, he's bigger and guys, they're going to have to use more force against him, which would technically be a foul, but because of Julius Randle, no, doesn't get the call. Just the combination, Sal, of them making that call and then missing the challenge. Like they said, the Knicks didn't get it. Tibbs didn't get in the allotted time. I didn't understand that. It probably not getting overturned, but the fact the Knicks couldn't challenge and then they ended up having to force up the shot. It was just a bad sequence of events, a very unfortunate to what was a really incredible game. On on top of having a similar scenario play out earlier in the week. So the Knicks have been on the wrong end of these things. I know producer Jake more uh, into blaming the officials, maybe more so than you and I, Jay. ID. I, look, the Knicks lost the game. That's the bottom line. It was a bad call, I thought, or not the right call in that spot, but that's not why they lost the game. I would be cautious of it. And you mentioned a hothead, Rasheed Wallace. No coincidence that I loved him, too. He was one of my favorite players, Rasheed. And I love that passion and attitude from Julius Randle. But, you know, maybe you're onto something here, JYD. You don't want to develop that, that uh, reputation because the Knicks don't have that margin for error. There is no wiggle room there. And that's why these calls, you know, you look at the the games, as we just mentioned, they lose to the Nets by five. They lose to the Sixers by three. That's eight points right there in two games. They lose to the Sixers by one, nine points, three games. And they lost three games by total nine points. There's very little room for error here. And if a bad call goes against them, and maybe it goes more so because somebody develops that reputation or a challenge isn't had at the right time, it's going to cost them some ball games that could cost them either seating or a potential playoff spot. Man, it's too much going on. It's always these different rules. If the timeout remaining, right. be, if the, after the whistle, you know, the guy didn't tie his shoelaces <laughs> before, you know, the third quarter, you'd lose a timeout. Like, hey, come on, man. We have to have this a universal. There's a bad call. You got to be able to go back and review it and correct the game. If you're going to, and I hate all this stuff. I don't even like the challenges or the replay, but if you're going to have it, get it right. What does that mean? Matt, so why don't we get to a point then where we can review 
whether he got the challenge in on time. Why, why can't we replay that? <laughs> right, gonna, right. So who's going to review whether, oh, no, what? You know what? Thibodeau did take the right time there. He should have been able to challenge it. I mean, what are we doing here? And the bottom line is they're not getting these calls right at the end of the game. So it is infuriating, especially when you keep coming up on the losing end of things. But anyway, we, we look to turn it around. We'll you know what they should do? They need to stop showing the fans replays. That's what they need to do. Right. I, yeah, they, but they're don't never going to do us then. They just go to the next play then. Don't, don't, don't let us fester. They're like, well, look at it again. We'll look Good at point. it again. I mean, we'll look at it again. Like, well, hold on. Why are we looking at it? I, we, we can see. Can you see? <laughs> yeah, right. And then they have the reasons why they make that call, which we as fans don't understand. We're not breaking down the rule book. I mean, we're watching the game. It doesn't look like an egregious foul or uh, obliterating, as Clyde said. Anyway, frustrating for the Knicks. Hopefully they could get back on track tonight, starting with tonight against Washington because again even those two games against Washington they have to make sure they win these two games to give themselves some wiggle room you know take it on Milwaukee and then Miami as they continue to battle for a playoff spot one other thing JYD of course the trade deadline coming up this Thursday we've talked a lot about trade it trade yeah. deadline this Thursday March 25th Ooh, lives don't change this Thursday <laughs> Well, it sounds like, JYD, the Knicks are not going to be looking to make a big move that could impact the team chemistry. What are your thoughts on that? We know that they need help, right? To get to another level, we know they need help. But how about as a player, how does that affect whether it's, you know, knowing that names are looming or rumors are out there, the time leading up to the trade deadline and then afterward, does that have a significant impact on team chemistry if uh, a big trade is made? Absolutely, man. You know, you could. You, this is where times get guys end up leaving locker room. You come in one day and you see a nameplate missing, and you're trying to figure out. And then you start counting the room, like, well, whose name? Oh man, that's or or if it's a big if it's a big time person, man, that that gets everybody talking in the locker room. You got to have a meeting. Such and such got trade. Have you talked to him? These things have a serious impact on chemistry, and if you have familiarity with the person or with the new player then that eases it a bit or if it's somebody that you really wanted to play with that definitely has its uh, uh positive as well but for the most part trade deadlines just it's a stressful time leading up and then there's a little bit of stress right after depending on if you lost a teammate lost a friend getting in somebody new you got to figure out how that's going to work because players you know we get used to situations then when you bring somebody else in new you got to now adjust and some of us who have long-term contracts, what do we do, right? We just welcome the guy in, try to make him as comfortable as possible. Guys who are already free agents on the team, they're like, man, how does this affect my situation? Is this guy going to take more shots or how is he going to, you know, what, what's his game plan here? Is he going to be a free agent at the end of the season? So it's like all these things that really shake up rosters in multiple levels when the trade deadline comes. And I've been witness to it for all of the years I was in the league. So now we, we've talked about this particular team. Uh, obviously, they need shooters. They could use more scoring, but at what cost, right? So is it worth it to mess with that team chemistry, which has been a great strength of this team all year? Everybody talks about the defense, and that's true, and Thibodeau and the culture that they're building there and the foundation that they built. Chemistry is a huge part of that. So I do understand what they're saying. Is it worth it then to go out there and get somebody like an Evan Fournier? I mean, he's a guy that I love. He could be a tremendous scorer and shooter we talked about old depot i don't know if i'd give up anything to get him because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year alonzo ball continues to come up at what point though jyd do you value 
the current Knicks chemistry versus trying to improve this team and become more of a legitimate playoff team and maybe somewhat of a threat in the Eastern Conference with a big trade. That's what makes this team a little bit of an enigma, just from the sense that you had this dilemma. Do you go forward with what you have, right? Or do you shake things up? And then, you know, because you have a little bit of momentum, now go out and snatch the big time player and and really kind of really implement your will as a front office. I think they should go with the latter in terms of just sticking with their guns. This team, like I said before, they are in the playoffs. They got you to the respectability that, hey, most Nick fans and people did not expect. Let's take everybody back to Genesis before Jake jumps off his chair. This is important. They got their team where they need to be. Now I think if they can if they can groom these players, move up a couple spots. I mean, we're talking between eight and four, a playoff position here that's doable for the Knicks this year. They get to the fourth spot. You know what that's going to mean for free agency? That means big time free agents or at least, you know, high level free agents are going to be looking to come to the Knicks which is a great thing for the city. It's a great thing for the organization to get that back going. I think it's just it's just a mere fact if they can add a piece that's a shooter, to your point, that just basically helps us to build on where we're at, I think that's going to be the key for the Knicks. Yeah, and maybe that comes via the buyout market. J.J. Redick is a name that's been mentioned. Look, I like the names that have been thrown out there. Fournier, Old Depot, I love both those guys. Alonzo Ball, whatever, I'm not sold on him. And I don't know if the Knicks necessarily need that at this point. We're talking about traditional point guard, whatever, with Alonzo Ball. We'll see how that plays out. But I'm not giving up a ton, even to get those names, you know, like Fournier that I like. I'm not sure what it would cost exactly. But I don't want to mess with this team's chemistry at that marginal increase, right? Fournier could be Correct. a good player, but what's the reward? Are they going to beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference with them? No, they're not. So maybe you're better off just waiting another year to the offseason, building through the draft again and signing what free agents are there and then starting a year two of Thibodeau with a new group or, you know, just some additions to this core. I'm in total agreement, Sal. Now, to your point, I mean, are you going to beat Brooklyn or Philly? Probably not. No, even so with those guys. Let's play the position and 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 figure out what you can do to add major pieces during summer. Now, Austin Rivers sounds like uh, his time with the Knicks will, will be over, and it was short-lived, and he had some moments uh, with the Knicks, no question, Jay Wade. I mean, remember early on, and this goes to show you the people with these nickname, nicknames, oh, uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Rivers in the backcourt, Quivers are trying to come up with names for them, and, and now Rivers can't even see the light of day on the floor, which is kind of sad because he's got a good attitude. He's a guy that embraced being here with the Knicks before the season started and said, you know what, we're going to be pretty solid here. And he was right, but he can't get on the floor with them. And it sounds like they might be working on some kind of a resolution here. But just your thoughts on Austin Rivers and, you know, basically what he did here and maybe a player's perspective on that, how frustrating it, it has to be for him to not be a part of this Knicks success this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always tough, especially, you know, when you're a latter part of your career, like Austin is. He's had some good years um, playing on multiple teams. But when you start bouncing around, this is where I say to myself, players have to really be conscious of what their, what their overall scope and their brand of how they play the game. Austin has always been the type of player that he was good defensively, but sort of streaky offensively. You know, he's not a every single night going to give you that 10 to 12 to 15 points, 
which I think that would have been his strength if he could have found whatever his niche was. It was it the mid range? Was it the three pointer? You never really got a sense. Does he go to the basket? Does he get it from the foul line? He's got to have something that's concrete. And it was always he'd do one thing good one night, maybe another thing good another night, another thing good. So it was never consistent to the point where you can just carry that throughout your career. And that's why I value consistency. We've talked about that a ton. Alfred Payton comes to mind. You don't need him to score 20, 25 a night. Just let him play solid defense, dish uh, dish some assists a little bit, and give you 10 points. And that consistency is something you could rely on. And they desperately need Derrick Rose back. I mean, we know we've been dealing with COVID, and who knows at what point he's going to be ready uh, for basketball shape to come back and contribute. But once Rose came, Rivers was essentially you know a rendered useless for this team. I liked Austin Rivers. I mean, I, he was so cheap. He would cost him a couple million he was fun i don't know producer jake you're probably one of those guys who came up with that quivers backcourt nickname i know your game <laughs> quiver me timbers <laughs> yeah see there you go see, there you go <laughs> well listen he had a he had a kid and sal i mean you maybe take some notes you you got yeah. one on the way right in a couple weeks yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the bankroll that Rivers has to be able to, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to show up for work. I'll be plugging away. Baby will be screaming upstairs. You'll hear her. And that's a whole nother story, boy, for future podcasts. Producer Jake, you know what I wanted to ask you? The vaccination stuff here with the Garden, because I know they changed things up. I guess starting April 1st, the Knicks are letting people vaccinated to get into the games at MSG. You know more about this than I do. You're somebody, have you gotten both of your shots yet? Uh, Friday, I'll have my second. So prior to April 1st, I will have proof of vaccination, which will allow me in the Garden and City Field and Yankee State. It's like a, it's like a, what, the fast pass. It's like I'm getting the front of the Superman ride at Disney World, these vaccinations. So is that all you need? If you get, if you're fully vaccinated, no more tests or no more no rapid more results. Yeah, I mean, you could you could still do the test because there's a lot of people that are not vaccinated. I just got lucky because I'm a fat ass and I'm able to get it. But if you're not, you got to get the test. You got to do the uh, P- PCR. You got to do a days in advance. It is a whole ordeal to go to a game if you do not have it. So this is my like pass go. Do not pay $200. Just pay it for the ticket to get in. Uh, so I'm excited because first week of April, you might find me at the Garden, City Field, every stadium in New York. You'll see my fat ass in. Trying to go to a game. I haven't got vaccinated. <laughs> JYD, you get vaccinated? What's your deal with that? Man, you know, dog pound already, you know, we come with the with a certain level of immunity to certain <laughs> vaccinations and different, 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 you know, viruses and everything. Because dogs, we catch everything, yeah. right? We catch it and don't even know we have it. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately for me, I did catch it. I caught COVID during the summer. Oh, did you? Yeah, I didn't I had even know COVID. that. Yeah, man, I had it. I did had it, it. Did you have the the symptoms and all that, or the ill effects of it? I had the I had the symptoms, taste, smell, all that stuff. I had a fever for like two, three days. I had one of the misses, man. She 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 was on it like white on rice, and it was like she had the the, the med ball teas going. I don't know. I don't know what kind of medicine she was giving me, oh. but whatever she gave me, it it helped. It kicked it out my system. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to get vaccinated, uh, honestly. So I'll let producer Jake be the guinea pig here. Let me know how that second shot goes. But I, I'm dying to go to a game. Next week, I'll be holding the microphone with my third arm. I'll have one in the, <laughs> one in the mouse, one in the microphone. 
one on my phone. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, you know what? It'll be worth it if you could get yourself to the garden. I can't wait to go to a game. And I saw ticket prices. I was looking at uh, some Rangers tickets actually too. They're not that bad. It seems like because the initial wave of everybody trying to go to a game so desperately, I think it's calmed down a little bit, even though it's still limited capacity. I, I feel like tickets will be more, uh, you know, available on a, a more normal price. Well, well, outside of the boo the hell out of Kristaps Porzingis Mavericks game uh, next week or the or the week after, that one is a lot, a couple hundred on StubHub. But Rangers tickets are a lot more than Knicks, which is a little interesting to me because the Knicks are just better this year and more fun. The Rangers have been very expensive on tickets, but yeah, you could get in for, you know, 75, 100. And if you're vaccinated, here's the good thing. You can get to, you could go to the garden 7 PM, 7 30 game, just get tickets on whatever secondary market app outside and then go in versus before when you had to get the test, you had to have the test three days in advance, get the results within 72 hours of a game. So it changes your approach to uh, getting affordable tickets. You know, what's weird too. I'm just looking at the schedule. There's only like 16 home games left. Man, this season has flown by here, and it's been fun. It's been a fun ride watching this team night in, night out. But, I mean, you're talking about uh, we're almost done. I mean, March, we gave you the schedule ahead, too, with Washington here at home. Then they're taking on Milwaukee Saturday in Milwaukee, back home from Miami, and then at Minnesota next Wednesday. That will finish out the month of March. So, I mean, we're getting down to it here. This is playoff time, and we'll get uh, even closer, obviously, after this Thursday with the trade deadline, see if the Knicks make any moves and if try to upgrade this team at all to make a playoff push, so we'll await that. But, man, we're getting down to it here, and the Knicks have had a nice little run. Hopefully, they can finish it off strong. All right, we'll try to finish this off strong. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the doghouse. JYD has a story for us regarding the trade deadline. Ooh, I got something hot. Time to go inside the doghouse with the junkyard dog, JYD. What do you got for us here? Trade deadline coming this week. Anything that you could think of dating back Come to your on, playing days? Sal, the trade let deadline? me pull one out the back pocket. Okay, so everybody knows trade deadlines. Let me give you a shot of what actually goes down. Now, I only got traded at the trade deadline once in nine seasons in my career. One time. So that tells you a couple things. A- I was a pretty darn good player because if you don't get traded around like three, four, five times, that just lets you know, hey, 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 you know, they're not they're not moving this guy. Right. So I was playing with the Pistons. That was a team I was drafted to have been there for four seasons. I was coming up on a free agent option. So the option was I could enter free agency and get my bag. Well, the Pistons started asking me about the bag. The bag was considerably large, so they had to consider what they were going to do. They told me I wasn't going to get traded. I wasn't looking to get traded, so nothing was happening. Get all the way up to the trade deadline. Mateen Cleves' brother gets shot. We take a team bus to his mother's home to make sure we're there as his team to surround our teammate, make sure he's supported. Mom cooks for us everything. Get back on the bus. Now, hold on. Excuse me. While we're there, the team is watching ESPN trade deadline, right? We're all together. We're watching. No trades for the Pistons, right? Yep. Nobody gets traded. Okay. We're like, because that's what teams do if they're together, at least. Get back on the bus. Now, we're headed back because this was in Flint. So, we have like an hour and 15-minute ride back to the Pistons practice facility. On the way back, I get a call from a reporter. Hey, JYD, 
just calling to see your reaction on the trade. I'm like, what trade? You didn't know you've been traded? To where? Oh, you better call your agent. Hang up the phone. My agent's calling me. I didn't even have to dial his number. Pick it up. Hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, JYD, you're going to love the city of Toronto. I said, what? I've been traded to Toronto. Now the bus is kind of hearing that I've been traded, right? All of my teammates are like whispering in the back. They're like, JYD just got traded. What is this? What's going on? This and that. And I'm sitting here like, I'm like, my head is doing this. Like, what is this? What? What is this real? Like, are you serious right now? And he said, and then my, my lawyer's like, hey, you're going to get a call from the general manager of the Pistons and the GM of the, the Raptors. Hang up the phone. Boom. D- Joe Dumars. He calls me. Now, Joe Dumars is the new general manager. My former teammate. This is my teammate. We went to war together. He has traded me away. I'm like, Joe, what's happening right now? What did you do? Like, Joe's like, yeah, we had to trade you, man. We really just love you as a player. You know, we, you know, it's been, it was tough for us to make this decision. I'm like, tough? Man, you just traded away the dog pound, bro. What is going on, Joe? Come on, man. And he's like, you know, if you need anything, let us know. Blah, blah, blah. But your new general manager, Glenn Grumwald, is going to be calling you. All right, Joe. Hang up with Joe. Phone rings again. It's like these guys are synchronized. Like, lawyer, Joe, they're telling me ahead of time, but it's like they literally hang up. they like, I'm going to talk to him for one minute, then you call him. Like, basically. Glenn Grumwald picks up. And now it's Glenn. Glenn is like, hey, this is Glenn Grumwald. It's nice to meet you. We've been trying to get you on this team for the longest time. And I'm like, all right, well, okay. I understand all that. I'm trying to get this through my head. He said, well, usually you have 48 hours to get to the team. Let me know what you want us to do, this and that. And I said, well, do you guys have practice tomorrow? And he's like, well, yeah. And I said, he said, but we can't send a, uh, we can't send, it's too late to send you, you know, a plane to come get you. So we'll just send you a, a plane in the morning if you want to leave in the morning or whatever. And I said, in the morning, I said, but we got practice. And he's like, well, yeah, but we can't. And I said, well, look, I'll be there tonight. He was like, tonight? Now, mind you, <laughs> it's like 7.30 and I'm on this bus. And I'm telling him I'm going to be in Toronto tonight. So he's like, I'll call you back. I was like, all right. So I get home. I get to the thing. I go go home to my wife. I'm like, look, we've been traded. She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I mean, I got practice tomorrow in Toronto. And she's like, well, you going to leave? I said, yeah, pack my bag. Let's go. It's dog pound. We got to be at practice. This is not a. And she's like, okay. So she starts throwing stuff in my bag. I'm out of there by like, it was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'm on the road. Got my four-wheel drive. But I did not know there was a snowstorm. I'm talking about all out blizzard. It's dumping buckets of snow. I'm talking about feet. I'm on the 401 like, whoa. Now, Glenn Grumwald was doing his work. He's starting to call all the PR companies for the Raptors saying this dude is in the car driving to Toronto. 
Oh, that hit the wire, bro. I'm telling you, I had, I was on podcasts, morning shows, afternoon shows, and they were all talking about the story. You're driving to Toronto. I was like, absolutely. It's time for practice in the morning. I get to practice the next day. Teammates are like, man, how did you get here so fast? I'm like, bro, it's time to go to work. I love it. Vince, everybody, Oak, you know, everybody like, let's, what we doing? Let's get this bump in. And we played that night against Sacramento Kings. So it was like, you know, the, I get in the game. They check me in. I get a standing ovation. All the fans gave me a standing O. Dog pound. They was barking. It was probably the loudest barks I had heard. And I was like, oh, okay. So I have a lot of a lot of reactions to this. As I have some crack research staff, me Googling here, some some stuff regarding that trade. So first off, you were traded February 22nd, 2001. It was you and Eric Montross. This is a blockbuster for Corliss Williamson, Tyrone Corbin, and David Cornell, who I've never heard of, and a future first-round pick. So, you know, they got a lot for you. Now, you were on a bad Pistons team that year. You guys finished 32-50. and 50. You went to, this relates to the Knicks, because you went to a Raptors team that would make the playoffs and beat the Knicks in a five-game series in the first round before oh, losing in seven to the Sixers, who I believe the Sixers went to the finals that year. So you went to a very good Raptors team oh, that we, competed hey, we for a title. We smacked the Sixers. I'm still, AI still calls me to this day apologizing for some referee calls. And... <laughs> That was during the that was during the gambling era, if you don't recall. So there was some situations that went oh, down. Oh, with Donahue seven, yes, yes. Do your research on that, Jake. Oh, I'm on a podcast right now, and I don't really care. <laughs> Damn, Dog pound needs to hear this. Donahue was on the take in that yes. series. Yes. Wow. I yes. remember the I remember the two thousand. We were up in the fourth quarter in Philly. And didn't get any calls. Vince going to the hole, just whack, 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 nothing. I'm like, whoa. That first round, I remember because I went to one of the games. I forget which game I went to. One of the home games, obviously, at the Garden for the Knicks. But that was the beginning of the end because the Knicks never lost in the first round. They the first round to the Raptors. What are you kidding the me? The Raptors. Raptors. The Raptors just came into existence. How do you lose to the Raptors in the first round, no less? That was the beginning of the end, where it started the the, the downturn for the next twenty years. That I was forgot right about there. that, JYD. Come on, man. That was it. And that's why the Knicks came and got the dog. 88-87, the Sixers yeah. won that game seven that you said Tim Donahue was officiating. You played 16 minutes that night, JYD, and had one point and a couple of boards. But 88-87? Uh, yeah, that was the final. So I guess Tim Donahue, that one point, made all the difference. The Raptors, luckily, Kawhi saved them and gave them a title, but that could have been your chance at glory that season. That was a chance, man. That was a chance. And and Coach Coach Lenny Wilkins, shout out to him. He he apologized for only playing me 16 minutes because he kind of changed the lineup and kind of got stuck. And, you know, and, and we, it cost us. We didn't have enough energy for that game. That was also the game where Vince Carter flew to North Carolina for graduation and flew back the day of the game. A lot of controversy and around. And Sal, also, if JYD doesn't go to Toronto, he doesn't make a cameo in the hit Disney Channel movie Full Court Miracle. Come on now. Talk to him and Harold and Kumar. What? Vince Were you White in that Patch too? Was. Oh, yeah. That one I oh, remember. Yeah. And I was in the hit series Sue Thomas FBI. I was an FBI informant wait wait what when in harold and kumar were you the the first one no i was on the i was on the dvd credits <laughs> oh you weren't in the movie i mean come on no wonder why i'm thinking what did you have white castle with them or what what's no, going come on come on man 
Yeah, it was some good footage too. I was tearing down some wind rims in the park. Did uh JYD did Lenny bring you to New York? Was he I, I forget the timeline on that? Was he it was Isaiah, but Lenny was there. Yep. So he, I'm assuming, had something to do with it. Isaiah Absolutely. was traded for you, but Lenny was the head coach. Absolutely. So, yeah. Wow, I love that. That's probably my favorite uh doghouse story inside the trade like that. Because fans don't get that. And even right. the media, you don't get the reality of, oh my God, I just got traded. What the hell are we supposed to do? And no, but listen, and then a continuation of that story. You found right? out from a reporter, which is usually how guys find out today, and there was no Twitter then. So you still found right. out from a reporter then. Exactly. So, and then on top of that, right, I get to Toronto and now I'm after practice, I'm talking to my wife and I'm trying, she's saying, okay, what are you going to do for living? I was, they got me in the hotel. I stayed at the hotel. Now I'm going around the realtor from the Raptors. She's showing me different places. I'm on the phone with my wife. There's no FaceTime, so I can't show her. So I'm I'm getting a spot. Then she comes in town. She doesn't like the spot. Then I got to go get to another spot. Meanwhile, she's there in Detroit figuring out, packing up. What is she going to do? You know, it, it's just, it's crazy. From man. a family standpoint, it's really tough. Because, you know, I had my stepdaughters who was in school there. So she couldn't just up and leave. It's just crazy. So it's just... It's a rough time, you know, if you're from a stress standpoint, from a player standpoint, it's probably the worst time. The middle of the year is the toughest. You have kids in school, you got your house or your your dwelling, you have to mix all that up. When you get traded over the summer, totally different. You have time, you can adjust, you can put kids in schools, you can, you know, live a normal life. But man, when that February or March or like, you know, right now it's mid-March. I mean, it, someone who gets traded is going to just put their whole life in a little bit of a tailspin. And it's just tough to get that around as a player because now you're trying to, you know, implement yourself in a new team, a new structure, a new, you know, new plays, new new front office. It's it's a lot. Yeah, you were traded two other times. You were traded uh, December 2003 with Antonio Davis and Chris Jeffries to the Bulls for Jalen Rose, Donnie Marshall, and Lonnie Baxter. Another monster trade. And then the Knicks trade was in the offseason. Uh, it was you and Jamal Crawford to the Knicks for Matumbo, Frank Williams, Othella Harrington, and Cesare Trybansky. Uh, and, and add eight to that, and you got how many trades Trevor Reza's had. I think he's he's been on 11 different teams. So uh, that's really a lot of movement and family movement. Right, right. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But uh, the dog pound was definitely uh, changed on that on that snowy day. It was a lot of, you know, I, I'm I'm glad I did it. I was I was like, uh, you know, pretty crazy of me to think of things like that. But after after your one trade, then you realize, oh no, I got time. Let me let me <laughs> let me think this through. <laughs> does it for us for episode 38 of Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and the new guy, Brian Mungia, for producing the show. Did I get that right? All right, Mungia, welcome aboard. Nice to have you. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy and it's free. Come on. I mean, it's the least you can do for all this entertainment we provide. We do appreciate the support. For Jerome Williams, the Junkyard Dog, I'm Sal Akata. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in every week. We appreciate it. Let's go, Knicks!